I'd like to introduce our preacher before he comes out to us. Um, Many of you have heard Lenny preach before. He's probably preached here three, I'm guessing, times. Um, When I heard that Lenny was going to be in Florida for a conference, um, I asked him to come up and preach this weekend. So I was very excited about that because the timing coincides perfectly with his announcement to his church in Belfast that he and Callie were completing a five-year commitment there at the end of this calendar year, and that then he was going to come here in January and help us as a church engage with planting another church somewhere in the city. So we've got a lot to discern between now and then, um, but I asked Lenny to come and preach to the topic of church planting in particular. So come on out here, Lenny. Um, Lenny is married to Callie, who uh, is Callie Thurman Conchwitz, and um, her parents are members here. Her mom is um, actually on our vestry, so I'm not sure if your teammates are here in this service, if they're coming to the later one. They were staying with the in-laws. A couple of the team from his uh, church in Belfast may be in here. I'm not sure, or they might be at the 11th o'clock service. Um, But anyway, I'd like to pray for Lenny, and then um, I hope you'll open your hearts to hear God's word through him. So, Lord God, I thank you for my friend Lenny. I'm grateful for all of the ministry experience you've given him in his life and what he knows about church planting in particular. Lord, I pray that you would anoint his mind and his words, and that we would hear your word. Open our hearts, Lord, to hear from you this morning. Come, Holy Spirit. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Mike. Good morning, everybody. Greetings from Belfast, Northern Ireland, and from Germany, where I am still originally from and still sound like when I speak English. So, exactly six months ago, I was sitting right there, and um, Mike leaned over, and he said, Hey, I have an idea. (laughs) Right. So, (laughs) six months later, I'm here to announce that, yes, My wife and I were moving here for about five years to help plant a new church with you all. So we're coming here in January and we're excited to come here and to to be partnering with you. Um, Yeah, I really hope that you will... I see a lot of smiling faces. I hope you will still smile after a few years of us um, being here. (laughs) So I have a, a, a little message for you this morning that I want to share. It's just about church planting or let's say starting new churches. I I learned that the word church planting sometimes can be a bit funny because people think, what do we plant? You know, we're starting a church. Well, but if you think about it, a church is really like the word plant says. It is a plant. It is a seed that you put in the ground, hoping and expecting that it will produce life. And we know from the Bible that God is the one who brings the growth. And so there's a lot of faith And a lot of trusting in him and relying on him involved in this whole process. And um, we've been part of this process, my wife and I, for many, many years. Um, In fact, in the late 90s, my father planted a church in our living room. And I just had learned four or five chords on the guitar, so I was the assigned worship leader. (laughs) And have been ever since. So I've been in, in a church planting environment from home, basically. And then my wife, Callie, who many of you know, she was sent out to Madrid, Spain, in 2010 to help plant a church there. And then we got married, and I took her away from Spain, because I didn't want to live in Spain um, for different reasons. And I took her, and we moved to Belfast. God called us to Belfast, Northern Ireland. So we've been there now for five years and planted a church there. Now we're moving here, and we want to help plant another church. So in a way, this is really all that we know. (laughs) Um, 
yeah, we don't really know, at least I don't really know what it is like to be part of a big established church for a long time. So I'm excited to learn more and new things. Now, I know that some of you here this morning may already share this excitement for church planting, and you think, yes, let's go, I'm ready, and I'm very happy um, if, if you are like that. But I also understand that there may be some here this morning who think, I don't know if I'm really feeling so comfortable about the idea of planting another church. Aren't there already enough churches? Shouldn't we fill the churches that already exist? Well, I hope that as I share today, I can inspire you a little bit and pass on some of my excitement and some of my main reasons that drive me to do what I do and hopefully inspire you and win you over in a way. And um, I know maybe there are even some of you here who think, I don't even know if I'm into Jesus and into church in general. You know, maybe you're here because somebody invited you or you're here because you don't know why you're here. <laughs> and, uh, and you're not so much into this whole Christian stuff. You know, I, I, I've actually been there too. And um, I used to rather hang out on the soccer field on Sunday mornings and play and pursue my sports career than sitting in pews in churches and sing holy songs. Right, so that wasn't really me. But then Jesus came into my life, really radically changed me, and I couldn't help but fall in love with the church that he so dearly loves. And so it is my great joy to now be uh, in full-time ministry. And so I hope that I can inspire maybe some of you who are still kind of checking this whole Jesus thing out a little bit for yourself. Now there's a lot again that I could be sharing this morning, but I want to focus on, on basically two points <clears throat> that uh, I really, really believe are at the heart of every church plant. And not, uh, not even every church plant, they should be at the heart of every church in general. And it's two words, really. Representation and restoration. Representation and restoration. I want to talk about the first part. I believe every church and every new church plant is primarily called to represent Jesus Christ himself. I want to read with you again the scripture that we read today in Colossians 1. It's a powerful scripture. It says, He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. I mean, that is a statement right there. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and firstborn from among the dead, so that in all things he may have preeminence. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. I love this passage because it reminds us of who it is that we're dealing with here. <laughs> we're talking about God who by his words holds all things together right now. Even us sitting here this morning, we're sitting here because his word, every breath we take is because of his word holding us together. And we are, in a way, called to be filled with the same fullness that filled Jesus when he walked on earth. We are, as the church, the literal physical embodiment of Jesus Christ here on earth. See, the church is not just a nice organization with the mission to spread global happiness and, you know, endorse good values and help people live better lives and give them a few life hacks, you know, to get through life better. You know, there are other organizations who are pretty good at that too. No, the church is, according to scripture, the body, the body of Jesus Christ himself. 
In other words, we represent him as much as we possibly could. And I love how we take communion in, in, in your church. You do it every Sunday. The church background I have, we don't do it every Sunday, but I kind of like the idea and I'm getting used to this because I think it's such a powerful statement. Every time we come up, we take communion, we eat the bread, we drink the wine, we're expressing physically, externally, what we believe and hold to be true internally and spiritually, which is that, we, that we're part and united with, that we're part of and united with Jesus Christ himself. And that we represent him physically here on earth. And just like the body of Jesus was filled with the fullness of God. Now, I like the word fullness. See, God didn't just drop a little bit of his divinity into Christ and said, that's enough. No, no, no. God, his whole fullness was manifested in Jesus Christ. And we, as his body, are called to walk in that same fullness of God. Every time a church comes together, every time we meet as people, as believers, followers of Jesus, we're basically hosting the presence of God. We're hosting the fullness of the presence of God. And if we plant more churches, guess what? That fullness gets to places where it's not yet. We increase the physical representation of God himself here on earth by planting more churches. Now that, I think, is really an exciting task, isn't it? It's an amazing idea to think that the Spirit of God wants to dwell in us like he dwelt in Jesus Christ. So wherever we plant a new church, we're planting little embassies, in a way, of a kingdom that has already come and a kingdom that is coming. And we pray every Sunday, your kingdom come, your will be done. Well, guess what? Guess how God does that? He does it through you and me. And one tool he uses is by planting churches. That is how he wants to expand the kingdom of God here on earth. So let's be an answer to the prayer that we pray every week. Let's plant churches that witness to an ulterior reality where Jesus rules. You know, just like any embassy in this world, when you walk into an embassy, the rules and the laws of the, the nation apply that, represent, that is represented in the embassy, right? In a way, when people come into the church, they should come into the representation into the reality of another kingdom, of something that is governed by a different set of rules. And I love how the, 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 the new command that King Jesus gave us was, I give you one new command, that you love one another the way I have loved you. This is the main rule that applies, that governs the embassies of heaven here on earth. This is how we host God's presence. This is how we increase his representation here on earth, by loving well, by loving people well. As I said, we're, I'm, uh, I've uh, planted a church in Belfast together with the team, and our mission from the beginning, our, our vision that we have written everywhere on our banners is love God, love people. I really think it's as simple as that. If we keep that right, if we keep that right, we can't really miss it. So if we plant new churches, we want to plant churches that are Jesus-centered because in him all things hold together. See, the worst thing you can do as a church planter <laughs> is really to take yourself too seriously and think it all depends on you. <laughs> um, <laughs> not even a church planter. I, I think everybody who leads a church or who has some kind of leadership role in the church at some point will realize, okay, I, 
I have to admit, this is too big for me. I'm so glad that in him all things hold together. But see, the moment we lose our Jesus-centeredness and we become more human-centered, that's when churches become a little bit strange sometimes and a bit weird, and we don't want that. So from the beginning, as we plant churches, we want to be Jesus-centered. We want to be church. We want to be a church that loves well, that knows how to love well and represent Jesus Christ well. And we want to be churches that are gospel-focused, that preach the gospel. Now, gospel is just a, a fancy word for good news. That's all it is. Churches are churches that proclaim good, good news. The good news that there is a king who rules and reigns right now who is really, really trustworthy and really, really, really good. Representation. Isn't that exciting? Isn't it exciting to be part of that church, to be part of the body of Christ? And that brings me to the second point, restoration. Because, see, God did not intend for us to just feel like we're this isolated club of holy heroes. No, he has a purpose and a mission for us. He wants us to represent him, not so that we can feel good about ourselves, but so that we can become an agent of change for people who need the touch of heaven and who need to experience restoration. See, restoration is really a major theme in the Bible. God is the big restorer of all things. He says, behold, I am making all things new. And when we see Jesus, he constantly touched people's lives and changed people's lives and, and healed people and raised the dead and cast out demons. And wherever Jesus went, people were restored, people were healed, people were set free. Now, we as a church are called to do exactly the same. As his body, we are called to bring restoration to people. We all know that there is an evil force at work out there. There are spiritual principalities at work that want to kill, they want to steal, they want to destroy every day. And that brings us to the other passage of Scripture that we read this morning from Matthew 16. Beautiful Scripture. I'm going to read it again for you, um, just a part of it. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. What a powerful declaration. Let me give you a little bit of a background to this scripture. When Jesus said that to Peter, they were in Caesarea Philippi. In Caesarea Philippi, there was a rock, and there was a cave, and there was a big, dark, deep hole in that cave. And the pagans that lived in that area, they called it the gates of Hades, the gates of hell. They built little pagan temples around that gate and did all kinds of wicked worship ceremonies. And Jesus takes his disciples to that very spot, <laughs> a place that devout Jews avoided because it was so defiled. And Jesus looks at Peter and says, do you see gates of Hades right there? Guess what? I'm going to build a church on that rock and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And now, of course, he didn't just mean that physical, literal place in that, in that cave, but when he talks about gates of Hades, he talks about generally the gates of hell. The gates of hell that we see in this world at work all the time. 
We see people stuck in all kinds of hellish environments and contexts. And, and Jesus looks at that. He looks at us today and he says, I'm going to build a church that will be marching forward and bringing restoration and power in such a way that even the gates of hell themselves cannot prevail against it. I'm sending you on a mission that is already one, a mission that is hopeful. And I think that is a powerful statement. I'm so glad to be on the winning side when it comes to church planting. <laughs> Otherwise, it would all really suck. Um, and that brings me also to the psalm that we read today, Psalm 18. You know, Psalm 18 was actually written by King David, one of the greatest kings of Israel, after God had delivered him from Saul. Now, those of you who know, King Saul harassed David for years and years and years. He tried to kill David several times, and David was just really going through hell. He had to hide in caves and run away constantly. And after God had delivered David, he wrote the psalm that we all read together. I want to again read the first two verses. I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Within only two verses, David calls God his strength, his fortress, his deliverer, his refuge, his shield, his salvation, his stronghold, and his rock. He, he, he's trying to tell us something here, King David, so he is, as they say in Ireland. He even calls God his rock twice. And that reminded me of what Jesus said to Peter, on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. This is who God wants to be to the people out there who are harassed by the enemy right now. He wants to be all of these eight beautiful things that King David listed here. And then the, the psalm goes on. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. The cords of death encompassed me. The torrents of chaos overwhelmed me. The cords of Sheol, of hell, entangled me. The snares of death confronted me. It sounds like somebody is sitting in the gates of hell here, writing this psalm. In my distress, I called upon the Lord and I cried to my God for help. From his temple, he heard my voice and my cry for his help reached his ears. From his temple, he heard my voice. We are today the temple of the Holy Spirit. Wherever we are as a church, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And within us, the voices of those sitting in darkness need to be heard so that we can go and bring deliverance and restoration. Because that is the big purpose of us as the church. Representing Jesus and his fullness and bringing restoration to people. What an amazing calling we have. I mean, imagine this church here planting more seeds out there in Florida. You have already been planting a lot of seeds, by the way, in the nations, by all the missionaries you support, people like my wife and I, and I just want to say thank you too. Thank you so much for all these years of support and partnership. You've planted a lot of seeds in the nations, 
And now God is calling us to come back to become a seed for you as well, to help you plant something that's maybe not too far away from you. Isn't that pretty? Isn't that beautiful? Imagine you giving birth to a little baby church. Now all the parents are giggling because you know the mess that comes with that, right? <laughs> We've just successfully potty trained our two-year-old and boy, <laughs> it can be messy, right? It can be messy <laughs> to bring children into this world. It takes a lot of patience, it takes a lot of self-control. But hey, it's all worth it, isn't it? It's all worth it. We need to be reproducing ourselves. Imagine the people that we can reach through new church plants that we currently cannot reach from here, from Fleming Island. I was told more and more people are moving into this area and, and across the river there and uh, near the, 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 the golf, golf village, or whatever that's called, in St. Augustine, and more and more people moving there. We can't reach them all from here. Let's go where they are. Let's go to those gates of hell and tear them down. I think it's going to be an amazing, wonderful time. So again, to all those of you who already are excited, please pray for us. Please pray for my wife and my family and myself. We're still in the transition time now. Um, we have a lot to do to take care of visa applications. Um, we're talking to all our financial partners. We're hoping to bring as much of support as we can along on our move. And It's just a lot to do. We're basically getting rid of all our stuff and come here and start over again. So please pray for us and with us. We're moving here in January if everything goes according to plan. Um, those of you who are maybe still a bit hesitant, again, I hope, I hope you can be inspired. This is really something exciting. And I want to encourage you with that picture, that image of the harvest. You know, if the farmer brings in the harvest, he cannot use all the seed on himself. Every harvest always holds the seed that needs to be sown for the next harvest. If all the seed is used up by the farmer, then he basically cuts himself off from future blessings and future generations of harvests. And I believe there is a seed in this church that needs to be sown to bring in another harvest. And from God's perspective, you never give and have less. From God's perspective, you always give and you end up getting more. And lastly, again, to all those of you who still maybe wonder if this whole Jesus thing and church thing is for you, you know, I want to encourage you, come along on this journey. Come and follow Jesus. It will only cost you everything. But you know what? You get the fullness of God in return. And that is a good deal. I studied business. It's a good deal. You give all of yourself in return for the fullness of God's Spirit in your life. Let us pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you that you are at work in this world and thank you that you've called us to represent you in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And so we just again welcome you, Holy Spirit. Come and bring restoration, come and bring healing, even if there are people here this morning who need a touch from you even if there are people who need to be restored, people who are harassed, I just ask you, Father, that you hear their cry and that you bring healing and deliverance because this is the place that you have, that you have started, that you have planted in this world. 
to tear down the gates of hell. So I pray for gates of hell to be torn down this morning in the name of Jesus. I thank you for bringing healing and deliverance to your people and through us into this world who desperately needs it. In Jesus' name, amen.